the minute it drops below 80, I've got my neck tied up and my long sleeves on. I'm kind of sweating, but that's okay. Um, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so I can wear brown. And um, anyway, I gotta just say, don't you guys love our worship? We love our worship team. They are just such worshipers. I don't know how many of you guys were there on Sunday, but um, you know, I was I was actually thinking about the the basic the basic crux of Danny's message on Sunday was the the vi the vital need that we have to protect the fire, yes. to to maintain and stoke and and value the fire. And what is the fire? What is the fire? The fire is the presence of God. It's the person, the person, like Heidi just said, hi, Heidi. Um, the person of Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus himself. And the fire, I realize, in me is my absolute um, devotion and affection and dependence and my vital, my vital need for him. And I was thinking about one of the things that causes me and one of the things that comes, what we see when we value and when we gather around the fire, when we value the presence of God, we see the person of Jesus. He displays himself, right? So we see the supernatural. We sang about miracles today. We see, we see healing. We see wholeness coming. We see what we cannot do ourselves. And I realize in my own life, one of the things that gets in the way and causes me to begin to kind of forget is my own, what I perceive to be my own self-sufficiency. And, and what gets in my way and what I'm realizing through even just this teaching today is that how much I have engaged in self-protection. How much, so many, and I, this is, I, I have created systems and patterns and deeply rooted habits of self-protection. Out of fear, um, a need to control, which is rooted in fear. And they only serve to cut me off from love. They only serve to cut off connection with my own heart, with, with, with God, with others. And when I was when I was praying about what I wanted to talk today, the, the theme this year for those of you, is anybody here this is your first time to, to Bible study? Oh wow, welcome y'all. Welcome, we're so glad to have you. Um, our theme for this year is is um, living a cultivated life and developing a cultivated life. And I started thinking about you know what is it that I am. It, that I am focusing on cultivating in my life right now. And for me, the focus of, of that is cultivating love. I love what Sherry said on Saturday during our workshop with them, Sherry Silk. She told a story about, about going to a funeral this summer, or early this last year, and um, of the child of of a, of a close family friend, and it was a tragic situation. But 
person after person at this child's funeral, this young man's funeral, got up talking about it, and he had walked far away, it was in disconnection, and person after person um, got up talking about how much he loved, and how he was known by the way he loved. And she said that was the most beautiful reminder as I started my year, that that, that is what I want people to say about my life. And I actually feel, and I self-identify with that, I feel almost desperate for it. I feel almost desperate that that would be the marker of my life. I would rather you walk away from me, I want you to walk away from me saying, she loved me well, than, man, wasn't she smart. Man, could she prophesy. Man, did she have the wisdom of God. Man, did she just read my mail. She walked in words of knowledge. <laughs> what I want you to say is, I, she loved me well. I could feel Jesus in the way that she loved me. And I'm, and I'm so aware of how many ways in life and as the church, we have really failed to love well. And I'm determined that we would do that. I'm determined that the sons and the daughters of God would actually look like and feel like and be experienced as the progeny of Jesus. <laughs> that we are his children, that we carry his DNA that we sound like him, we look like him, we feel like him, that when people walk away, they, they have experienced him. And I believe that love is the key and that we learn to do that well. Um, I wanna get to, I walked out of the house without my <laughs> iPad this morning. Yeah, and I love this. Um, as I started looking at that, and I started looking at love itself, I really do. I really do love the way that the Passion Translation in in First Corinthians thirteen defines it. So I'm going to read it. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. How many times have I pursued understanding heavenly language? How I pursued to prophesy. And those things are not bad. These things are not bad but how I've prioritized. Oh, if I, if I was a giver, if I gave more, if I was willing to be a martyr, am I, willing, am I really willing to be a martyr? Focusing on, on those kinds of things. Not, it would, if I didn't have love, I would have nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle, 
and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Love is the prize for which I'm running. And I have failed again and again and again. Or I haven't loved well. When I have allowed, when I have not loved large, when I have not been patient, when I have not been gentle, when I have not been kind, when I go through the list of, of all of these characterizations of love, that it refuses to be jealous. It doesn't brag. It doesn't inflate it doesn't inflate my own importance. It doesn't traffic in shame or disrespect. It doesn't selfishly seek its own honor. It's not easily irritated. I just go through the list. And what I realize is that for a lot of my life, with my understanding of love, I was focusing on my behavior. Instead of and so then when I would try to focus on my behavior, I would go to God and I'd say, oh God, I got irritated. I'm so sorry I got irritated. Please help me to not get irritated. And what I'm realizing in this, I wrote, I wrote this down. I do not achieve love by judging myself, condemning myself, and trying to change my behavior. I move into genuine love by fellowshipping with Holy Spirit and allowing him to bring delight those moments when I am operating in a way that is not love, showing me the root of the fear, the self-protection, the compensation, the lie I'm believing. So good. To clear the way for love to flow. I move into love by staying present with him, staying in fellowship, allowing him to recalibrate me. My mind, my emotions, 
my will, my choices, my body, my brain. That's how I allow love to flow. I love how in the mirror translation, Psalm 20, 23, it says, I'm here in agape. My soul remembers who I am. And that's the kind of love we're talking about. I mean, the commandment to love, the commandment to love God and the commandment to love others, which sum up all the commandments, that word is agape. And, you know, it, it was interesting in looking at the different, the different words for love. Eros love is erotic love, um, companionable love. There's, and I don't know how to pronounce it, storge or storge. It's the natural affection that I have for a husband or a child, a dog. It's a natural affection from my soul. Phileo, brotherly love. It's response to the pleasure that one takes in another. Affection, fondness, liking. It's called out of one's heart by the qualities of another. Agape is called out of one's heart by the preciousness of the object love. Love of esteem, valuation, prizing. It's a response to your, value, your inherent value. It's not kindled by the merit or the worth of an object, but it originates in its own God-given nature. God is love. It's out of our of the nature of God within us, the love nature of God within us, that that, that that agape love springs forth. So we actually have the ability to love in us because the person of God resides in me. What I'm learning is it's me getting out of the way. It's me getting recalibrated to Jesus and in that flow, in connection and oneness with him, that then allows love to flow. Removing the obstacles of my own control, my own self-protection, my own, my own compensation that gets in the way. It delights in giving. It's unconditional. It's not based on response. It keeps on loving when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, unworthy. It desires only the good of the one loved. It's a consuming compassion for the well-being of others. And when we look at John 17, to me, it completely encapsulates it. It's the conversation that Jesus is having with his father, basically saying, oh, that what I would desire is that they, basically he's saying, I want them to know the same kind of love that you and I have for one another, that they know that that same love is in them and that they would then be able to love one another with the same love that you and I have loved one another. That, talk about fire burning. Talk about fire burning. When we all are moving and living in our identity and oneness with Jesus and with one another, when we can value each other and love each other and allow love to flow and allow God to be God in the midst of us, connected to one another and connected to him, how powerful that is. And so... For me, I think today one of the things that I wanted to, to share with you is what is that process looking like for me? What is it looking like for me 
to cultivate love. Um, and so I just wanted to share some things with you just about how, what this has looked like, how I've been going through the different things that, and for those of you who have not been here and, and been here for the, um, some of the teachings, um, please feel free to go onto the website and listen to some of the past teachings where we talk about some of the things that you will hear me mention today. And because um, it's really been rich and wonderful. So I encourage you to do that. Um, but for me, I'm just going to go through some of the things that have, that have, I feel like, positioned me to really partner with God in this process. Um, and then I'm going to use an, an example that just happened this weekend of how God and I work, worked through this little episode together. Um, but one of the things that has been really important for me and recognizing that, and I, and I read this to you earlier, that, I've, that, I'm, that I recognize that I had created systems and patterns that are deeply rooted habits of self-protection that only serve to cut me off from love. I thought, they kept, I thought they kept me safe and they gave me a sense of control. And so what I'm watching God do is, is little by little dismantle those things and shift me out of self-protection into glorious dependence and trust and surrender because I'm so one with him that I feel completely held and I'm connected. I'm living from that connection. Does that make sense? So how, what does this look like for me? I think the, the first thing that God began to, to cultivate with me and this is, is a primary thing is staying present. Learning to be present in this moment right now. And I know I will say things that you guys have heard me say before that when I began to get a revelation of what, it, what the experience was of being present, because I can know what being present is in my brain, it's an entirely different thing for, for me to know and recognize. It's like, it's like with God. You, you can know about God in your brain and describe God, but it's a totally different deal when you can describe the presence of God, your own encounter with God, what it's like for him to meet you in a place. Right? So when I, when I learned what the experience was of being in this now moment, the Lord said, really, Amory, this present moment, the now moment, is where the fullness of me is. The fullness of who I am is accessible in this right now moment. If you step outside back into your past, you've just left that now moment and you've gone there without me. And then when you step out into your future, looking at things that have not happened yet and you're worried about, you're doing that without me. If you will stay here in this now moment with me, if there's anything we need to look at in your past, we'll do that from here. If there's anything we need to look at that's, in, that's in, coming in your future, we'll do that from here, together. You'll do that from inside me. And so I began to really practice understanding and experiencing how do I, what does it take for me, and each person, I think it's important that you find your own way of knowing, no, I'm in now. 
I'm in now. Like I can feel right now that I'm in now. And I have ways that have helped me do that, practical ways. One of them being Jesus. Am I a child of God? Yes. Asking those questions. That one question takes me right into the now. Right into this present moment. And I'm in it right now. And what's mind-blowing about the now is that that's the eternal moment. Now is the eternal moment. It's like it, it's crossing. I see it. It's like it, it, it supersedes and crosses all the barriers of time and space because God's not confined by time and space. And so I'm connected with the eternal one in the eternal moment, connected to my eternal self, which is my spirit. Right? We are spirit, soul, and body. And our spirit is the eternal. It will live on. Right? Our spirit will live on. It's the eternal part of us. And that connection is so powerful to be able to stay in this moment or I'm connected to God. And you'll hear me talk about connection so much today because I believe that that is his heart and that's, that is the way that we, that heaven comes to earth. Through our connection with God and our connection with other people. Our connection to one another. And so it's vital that we understand what that experience is. What is that experience when I'm actually connected, not just intellectually connected to God, but when I am actively connected with God? And what is that experience of when I'm connected to you? Do I know when I'm connected to you? Do I know when I'm disconnected from you? Am I aware of that? Because when we talk about love, we cannot divorce agape love from human interaction. It's impossible. You can't, agape love is with another. It's not just an intellectual idea that we have that we go about, I love you, I love you, and I love you over there. No, love happens here. Love happens in the way that I act with you, in the way that I treat you, the way that I move with you, the way that I value you. So we can't divorce it. So our 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 Interactions and our connections with one another are so vital. And so I think it's important for us to learn, too. It's been important for me when I'm actually disconnected and kind of sourcing that out. And um, that's how I'll tell a story about me this weekend. Um, another thing. So staying present. Another thing that has been super powerful for me is calming and stilling my mind. I had a racing mind. I remember we were in a car one time on a trip and I, I asked Jeff a question. We've been talking about something and then I stopped and I asked him a question and he goes, where did that come from? And I go, well, first I thought this and then I thought this and then I thought that and then I thought about that and then I did that and then I thought, well, if that happens in this and then if that and that and that and it was all within like seconds. Yeah. And he looked at me and was like, wow. <laughs> you got a lot going on in there, sister. <laughs> My brain was constantly just racing. I was trying to figure stuff out. I was trying to figure God out. I was trying to figure out what God wanted out. I was trying to figure out my relationships. I was trying to figure out you. I was trying to figure out me. I trying to figure out my kids. I was trying to figure out what was right. I was trying to figure out what was wrong. It's like I, my brain was just like all the time. And so I started trying 
and, and you, will, you will hear me talk about meditation in this part, and know that when I am talking about meditation, I am talking about meditation instilling my mind within my relationship with Jesus and Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm not talking about meditating outside of him. I am talking about meditating inside of Jesus. And so for me, when I first started trying to be still, like, have y'all heard of soaking prayer? When basically you soak in the presence of God and you're just still and you're not, I'm not taking my requests before God. I'm not talking to him about anything. I'm just being still in his presence. Well, when I first started trying to soak, I would fall asleep. I would lay, I would lay there and I would just out cold, like drooling sleep, like bad. And I'd wake up, I'd, I'd wake up in a panic going, I'm so sorry. I just slept through it all. I'm so sorry. I missed it. He's like, no, you didn't. You've worn yourself out. Sleep. Rest. Rest. But yet it still left me with, but I still want to be awake and be able to do it. Like I want to be awake and know stillness. I want to be awake and experience my brain being still. And so I started, intentionally I found some great Christian um, meditation resources. And I and some actually that were not Christian, but were very, that felt very clean to me. They didn't feel, um, my spirit, my spirit didn't feel disturbed by them. They weren't, they weren't new age spirituality. I wasn't trying to be convinced of anything in them. It was just very clean. It was actually just very much learning and practice of something and practicing something over and over and over again. And for me, I could not divorce that process from my relationship with Jesus. So when we would sit in the morning and I literally would learn to elect, to bring, to, to be present, breathe, and just allow my thoughts to come and go and not grab them and chase them, which is what I would do. The best analogy I heard was it's like, you're sitting and watching a freeway and the cars are going by on the freeway. Well, what I used to do is I would grab a car, put up the hood, flip it on his back, look all around it, figure out what it was going to do and try to fix it and all that kind of stuff. And then 30 minutes had gone by and I'd mess with one car. And instead, allowing those thoughts, those just, just to let them go and go by and bring my mind back to a place of stillness in Jesus. And what I began to find is that while I did that for 10 minutes in the morning, Throughout the day, my brain was so much more still. I was calmer. My mind was calmer. I had more clarity. I didn't have as much racing going on. And I was more clear when I then would begin to recognize where, where I was with someone or what I was doing or when I was triggered or when an emotion was coming up in me, which is the next thing. So that was super valuable for me being able to really know what it is to be still and deeply know that he is God and actually be still. Not just my body not wiggling, but my mind and myself being stilled and quiet. Um, another thing that has been really important for me is actually learning my body. And I talked about this the last time I spoke a little bit um, I realized 
that I have lived most of my life disconnected from my body. Um, when I started really realizing we are, like I mentioned before, we are spirit, soul, and body. And I think when I really began learning and beginning to have a deeper understanding of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and their oneness, and the way they move together, and in one another, I started realizing that's how we are designed to be. We're tripart beings. We're body, and we're soul, and we're spirit. But I always, and I knew that, but I always looked at them separately. I, divide, I, I kept them separate, and they interacted with one another, but they were still separate. And I, and I, was, I was telling the Lord, I really want you to teach me what it is to live fully integrated, like you are fully integrated. Where there's not a place where one of you begins and one of you ends, you are one and yet you, you are three parts. I want to learn what that is to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit. What does that mean? What's the experience of that? What does it look like to live that way? It's a part of the journey that he has had me on because I, I've spent a lot of time understanding my spirit. I spent a lot of time doing soul, my mind, my emotions, my emotional health, um, which then affects my volition, the choices that I make. Um, but I had, what I realized is I really had zero knowledge of my body and what my body had to do with really anything other than just carting me around. <laughs> and frankly, being a big pain in my rear end because I've never, I, I was never happy with it. Uh, it was just, it, it's, I, it, my body is basically just a carrier of the rest of me. That I, can, that, I, that I really have zero understanding of. Other than it has a heart and it keeps beating and it keeps me alive. And so as I begin to ask God to, to give me an understanding of my body, realizing how disconnected I was, I needed to learn how to actually love my body. When I realized I'm so disconnected from it, then I started to realize not only am I dis I'm not actually disconnected, I'm connected in a really unhealthy way. My connection with you is that I cannot stand you. All I've done is telling you, is told you how you are not enough, how you are not the right thing, how I wish you were something different, how I don't like how you feel, I don't like what you're doing, and I want you to do this. I want you to be skinnier. I want you to be healthier. I want you to like to run. I want you to. <laughs> it makes me mad that it makes me mad that your neck is that that you're screwed up, and that you have allergies. All you are is a pain in my rear end, and you get in my way, and you're making it hard for me. And so I'm going to try to beat you into submission. I'm going to try to make you what I think you need to be. I'm going to try to make you look like I think you need to look because I've been looking at pictures, and all the pictures say that this is how I need to look. And I've been looking at other people, and I've been looking at how people value that, and people like that better. And I'm a high I, and I really like approval, and I do not like rejection. I want everyone to like me, and I want them to like me for my body. I want them to think I have a good one. I want them to like. I want them to say she's got a really good rear end. <laughs> like she's got the good kind of rear end. Well, I now realize that having my great-grandmother's rear end is a really good thing. <laughs> and so I had to start blessing my body. I started, I started saying, 
thank you. Thank you. You are healthy. With all of the way I have treated you terribly, you've got a healthy beating heart. You've got healthy muscles. You have healthy joints. You have carried, you're taking good care of me. You speak to me. You let me know when I'm tired. You let me know what I need. And then I started learning, you let me know how I'm feeling. You actually let me know how I'm feeling. Like when I feel anxious, I feel it in my chest. Thank you, body. Thank you for letting me know when I'm triggered. My body lets me know when I'm triggered. And so I started shifting into a place of, and I'm still doing it. I still have to practice it because I, I, I shift into not doing it. And I stopped, I stopped telling my body that, that I love you. I love you. And I find things that I love about my body. In the beginning, it was my fingernails. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I liked my ankles and I liked my fingernails and pretty much I liked my toes. And I liked the color of my eyes. And I started finding things that I like about my body. And actually, because I could, I could, I meant that, right? That was something I meant. So I knew that I could engage with that actual real energy and love that was connecting to my body. Because as we've been talking about, all of our, every, all the words we say, the emotions we feel, everything has a frequency. Everything that has breath will praise the Lord. The rocks will cry out. How do the rocks cry out? Because they conduct energy. And energy is not a weird word. It's just a scientific word. I'm not talking about like voodoo weirdo stuff. I'm talking about science. And so it has an effect on my body the way I speak to my body. And, there's, you, you, and Kelly's talked about all the different experiments and you know things that, that we know about. Where we actually visually watch something change of the way that, because of the way we speak to it. Because of what our words carry. So I started speaking to my body in a different way. And so what I began, I began seeing was a relationship forming. A relationship between my, my body and my soul and my spirit and a place for those things to flow together. And I don't have it all figured out and I'm not all there, but all I know is that things are changing. I'm more peaceful. I'm more connected, and I love it. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Um, so in addition to nurturing the, 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 my relationship with my body, I, I, have, I have started really paying attention. I started really paying attention to how, to my body and how I'm experiencing emotion. What's happening when I get triggered? What happens when I get triggered? Where is it? What is that? And it has been invaluable to me when all of a sudden I walk in somewhere and my chest feels tight. And I go, hmm, why does my chest feel tight? Well, my chest feels tight because I feel anxious. What do I feel anxious about? And, and, I, and I've learned fascinating things about, about this. One, I told the story the last time about walking in my house when the ceiling was caving in and I two different ceilings caving in. They had to come in, completely redo our air conditioning. Our kitchen ceiling was torn open. Our entryway ceiling was torn open. Our bathroom ceiling was torn open. But they were working on it. Everything was fine. It was getting fixed. And it, we had and provision was there for it. And one day I, I walk into the middle of it. I walk in the, in the front door. And 
and, and all the kind of reconstruction and everything is going on. And I feel all this anxiety. And I stopped. And I was like, why do I feel anxious? Because I actually know everything's, I'm in my brain, my thoughts, I know everything's gonna be okay. So my body's not lining up with what I'm thinking. My body's not lining up with what I actually believe about the situation. And I said, Lord, what's going on? And he said, this is an old thinking and feeling loop. This is an old pattern. Because you believe that when big things like this happen, you're supposed to be overwhelmed. You're supposed to be, I'm overwhelmed. My house, my house is just covered in plastic. I can't do anything. Every, there's all these workmen in my house. It's just overwhelming. I can't think. I've got a bit. And, and, that's, and, I, and that's what he told me. He was like, that's an old thinking and feeling loop. Because you believe that. That when big stuff happens like that, you're supposed to feel overwhelmed. But are you overwhelmed? No. Really not overwhelmed. What do you actually believe about this situation? And so identifying those old loops, which then enables me to step out of it. To step out of the old loop and into peace, into what Jesus is actually saying about the situation, into what the truth is about the situation. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is understanding and asking the Lord, asking, stopping and asking Jesus what a trigger is about. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when I'm experiencing emotion and it's heightened, and, he, and, and does everybody understand a trigger? Yes. If, you, if you do not understand a trigger, I, 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 really, I, I want to. It's when someone says something or, or does something, you find yourself in a situation where you feel a heightened sense, you can feel a heightened sense of emotion or a switch. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those of you, am I describing it, Stephanie? Is that a good way of describing it? Perfect. Um, but it's usually physical. Physical, first. yeah. Physical. It's physical first. And that's such a key, I didn't know that. It's the fast track. Right. It's, Kelly's been talking about the fast track. And, and, so, and that's fascinating to me. That's the importance of being connected to our bodies. They're trying to talk to us. So, um, and asking Jesus what that's about, that's been a big thing. Paying attention, paying attention to my body, paying attention to those responses. And what I love about it is that I'm not navel-gazing. I'm not living like this all the time, looking, looking, looking. I'm just living aware. And I'm not judging it. That's another thing that's helped a ton. It's like I have a trigger and I hold it out and I go, hmm, oh, my cute kids are on my phone. Um, I hold it out and I'm like, huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that I'm, fe- I'm feeling anxious. Hmm. Rather than going, you shouldn't be feeling anxious. You don't have any reason to feel anxious. What are you feeling anxious about? Why are you feeling angry? You shouldn't feel angry. I, I used to immediately judge everything. Judge it. And now I'm holding it up and I'm actually looking at it a little bit before I come to a conclusion about it. How did you eliminate the judgment part on yourself, the self-judgment? Realizing, yeah, realizing that my feelings actually just are. Like my anger is not, anger in and of itself is not, an emotion is not good or bad. Neutral. They're they're neutral. It's what I then engage with it and do with it that then can either harm someone or exhibit love to someone or create connection or disconnection, right? But the emotion just in and of itself 
is neutral. And so that's what helped me to just hold it up and go, okay, I'm angry. That's not good or bad, it just is. That's what I would say to myself is, this just is. I feel scared right now. Fear, I'm experiencing fear. The fear just is. One of the things that really helped me with that, and, I, and I've told this story in here, was when my mom was in the hospital in, in, um, at MD Anderson, and I got scared. And fear, for the first time in the whole journey with my mom, um, I, got, I got scared and fear came and grabbed me by the throat. And, and I had walked through the death of both of my grandmothers who I was very, very close to and ended up having anxiety attacks after all that. So I told the Lord this time, I was like, okay, we gotta do this different. I wanna do this differently with you. I wanna walk through this process differently with you because I do not wanna stuff everything like I did before. Because before I was like, all right, everybody, cancer's on the scene, but have no fear. Jesus is gonna heal everybody and this is what we're gonna do. So everybody buck up. We're not even gonna talk about the possibility that anybody's gonna die. Um, we're just going ahead into victory, people, so let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't let myself be sad. I didn't let myself be scared. I didn't let myself feel anything because I just shoved it down and kept on going. And then ended up having anxiety attacks. Which, even though I do have my master's in clinical social work, apparently Mark Jones had to convince me that I was having anxiety attacks. <laughs> You're having anxiety attacks. I'm like, no, I'm not. My friends have those. I'm not having one of those. <laughs> I am not having one. He goes, why don't you just let me read the symptoms? And he read the symptoms. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having anxiety. What's going on? So I, did, I wanted to do that differently. And so when fear came and grabbed me by the throat, after I tried to call everyone else and nobody was answering, Jesus was like, hey, why don't you go downstairs? And I went downstairs and I sat with him. And it was the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful and life-changing experiences I've ever had with him because he had prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies where I got to say, I feel so afraid. I feel so afraid. Like what this guy just said, I can't lose my mom. Like what if my mom dies? I'm so scared. I'm so scared. But I said it with my beautiful Jesus with this feast of his faithfulness with his feast in front of me of all of his faithfulness over my whole life, with truth, just the fruit of truth all in front of me. And it was this beautiful tension. I learned that God can hold us in tension, that God can hold our fear, that he can hold our anger, he can hold our sadness, he can hold it all. And so it gave me permission to be able to say, I feel scared. It just is. It's not good or bad, it just is. I feel angry, it just is. And that began to actually empower me. It disempowered all of this energy that was attached to it where I was having to judge it and smack it and make it be what I needed it to be and hurry up and clean everything up to actually allowing it. It became now a trigger is an invitation for me. It's an invitation to connection with Jesus is what it is for me now. Instead of me trying to figure it out, it's a place where he's inviting me in. I love this. I was reading, I went to, for some random reason, I, I went to Isaiah 53, and it's talking about how in his, in his wounding we find our healing. 
But a new, a nuanced translation, the Passion Translation says, of the word for wounding, the word for wounding comes from a root word, shabar, to join together, to unite, to have fellowship, to become a couple. And a, and a nuanced translation of that verse would be, in the fellowship of being one with him is our healing. And so all of those moments are an invitation to fellowship with him. For me to fellowship in our oneness and allow him to minister to me and to shift my heart. In the fellowship of being one with him is our healing. Isaiah 53.5. I find healing each time I fellowship with him in our oneness. Jesus, what do you say? What is your perspective? And he speaks and he recalibrates me to my real identity as a daughter. Um, make sure I've, then I wanna share this example with you. Oh, I think I, I think I said this, paying attention, another thing is paying attention and being aware of disconnection. Disconnection with myself in my own heart and disconnection with other people because that's a signal to me when I've disconnected. And what I find, as you will see in my example, is that for the most part, I blame other people for connection, for disconnecting. <laughs> Did you say pay attention to disconnection? Uh-huh. To, to the level of connection or particularly for me when I feel disconnected from someone, I'm paying attention to that. When I feel disconnected from God, disconnected from myself, disconnected from others, I'm paying attention. And um, and here is my example. Um, it's actually not a very big one, but it but but it was a, but it was such a good illustration. Um, a a few, last week was a really really busy week for us, and I asked my daughter Olivia, who's here. That's my daughter Olivia. Wave Olivia. <laughs> um, that I asked her if I could share this. Um, last week was a really crazy week for us. She just got back in town from being gone for five months. She's here for a couple of for a couple months, and she's leaving again. And last week was a really busy week. We we had two different people staying at our house. We had just tons going on. And I guess it was sometime on Saturday. Jeff had said, and so she we we didn't get a lot of time with just her, really any time alone with her at all. And she has not been home for very long. And um, and on Saturday, I think it was, or the day before, Friday maybe, Jeff had shared with me, you know, he said, I, I, I think Olivia's feeling like, you know, she's feeling disconnected, like she hasn't gotten to spend time with us. I said something to him. Yeah, Olivia, yeah, Olivia said something to, to Jeff. And, um, and I immediately defended myself. I'm like, well, she hadn't told that to me. I mean, I think she would tell me that. I think she would tell me she felt disconnected. I mean, I've been asking her, I've been asking her if she felt disconnected, and she hadn't, she hadn't seen that way, or she would have told me. Immediately start defending myself. Well, then, then we go to dinner with Olivia, and she actually tells me and tells us at the table how she's feeling. I feel disconnected. I feel like I haven't gotten time with you all. And immediately, I'm like, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? I'm gonna pay attention to that because I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And at, in that moment, fully acknowledged the reality of that, how, it, how she felt and all that. 
Well, Saturday night, we are um, having dinner with uh, Danny and Sherry and Kelly and Joey. And um, we're talking about this kind of stuff. We're talking about, you know, connect connectedness and our kids and things like that. And I tell them about Olivia saying something to me and how I, how I felt and, you know, I was so glad she said something and, you know, acknowledged it. And Jeff pipes up and says, well, you know, what's interesting is I tried to tell you that and you didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and then inside I'm like, oh no, you didn't. Like, you did not just, and, and this is, and I got so, inside I was like, you just threw me under the bus, man. In front of these professionals. Like, you just threw me under the bus. And so, and so instead of getting upset, I think I'm doing a good thing, and, I, and, I, and we're on the way home, and I said, can I ask you a question? Is there a particular reason that, instead of assuming why he was bringing it up, instead of, che I checked out, like maybe he wasn't trying to throw me under the bus. Maybe there's a reason he brought that up. Maybe he was trying to illustrate something. What was, what was why, would, why did he do it? Very diplomatic. And so I'm, I'm trying, but I actually am trying to ask instead of assume. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm really working on, is I'm really working on, Instead of assuming what you meant by what you said, instead of assuming you did why you did what you did, which I've done a lot of in my life, um, I'm saying, can you tell me about that? Yeah. Can you tell me about that decision or what you said, you know, what you meant? And so I asked him about it. And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I said it. Just and I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, what does that even mean? Like, you don't know why you said it. Like, surely you had a reason that you said it. And I start picking. I start going after it. Like I am determined for him to tell me why he did what he did. So I start going after him, which is an old pattern because could have been a lawyer and we are gonna drill down to the bottom of this and you better be consistent with everything you say because I am going to grab whatever inconsistency you say and you are going down. So, so there's no answer, and I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I just, nying, nying, nying. and finally he goes, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know why I said it. And I'm like, mm. so I go to bed mad, and I wake up the next morning, and this is what I hear from Jesus. <laughs> so, I, so I wake up in the morning, and I feel so full of condemnation. I feel so full of condemnation, and it and so that I that I've been that I picked at him, that I that I just uh, 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 and it wasn't okay, and that I tried to you know all of this. I didn't even have perspective yet on what I what why I had done what I'd done. And I stopped and I was like, how do I feel? And I said, I feel full of negativity. I feel tension, anxiety, condemnation, and fear. I feel afraid. I feel anxious. I feel angry, and I feel sad. And I said, Jesus, how do I feel? And immediately inside, things begin to open up. And I hear him say, you feel hopeful and trusting and grounded. A lot of the feelings that you are feeling in yourself are old, residual, familiar feelings and messages that you have internalized and held and not released. Familiar things happen, and the thinking-feeling loop begins. When you stop and turn to me, you reconnect to your real self. The thinking and feeling loop is looped into your false self. 
that you use to protect, make sense of, explain, and cope with your world. Things that happen, thoughts, feelings, responses, etc. As you have been recalibrating to me, you are linking in and having more access to your real eternal self and retraining your brain, your thoughts, and your feelings to line up with what is true. Example, you pick at Jeff, there's disconnection. You judge yourself, you feel condemnation, and then there goes the loop. There's no way out of the loop as long as you are focused on your behavior instead of your identity. Who I say you are. You then reconnect to me and allow me to remind you of whose you are and who you are and what you actually believe. The small things that you have done, none of which are bad, are not you. And when you stop and allow me to talk to you about them, you then see through my lens. You got triggered last night. You felt shame. You felt not enough. And you felt exposed about defending yourself to Jeff. Shame, blame. You blamed Jeff to deflect your shame. I found so much healing in reconnecting to Jesus. I found so much healing in reconnecting to my oneness with Jesus and allowing him to speak to me rather than me looking at myself going, why do you do that? You shouldn't have done that. How are you not going to do that again? So good. And that's how I, that's how I used to look at love. And this is what clears the way for love. This process is what clears the way to love because the minute he talked to me like that, I was able to go to Jeff and say, and here's another key, repentance. Repentance. Me really seeing and turning and going another direction. Me being really able to see, and I couldn't wait to tell him. Once Jesus talked to me about it, I was able to go to him and say, I'm so sorry. I was protecting myself. I felt exposed. And so I felt shame. And so I I started blaming you. Because that's what we do with shame. We deflect because we're so full of shame if we're not enough. Well, then we surely can't be more not enough. So it's got to be your problem. Well, you forgave yourself. Yeah. First. Yes. I did. You're right. I forgave myself first. And then I was able to to say to Jeff, this is what I did, and I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? He's like, absolutely. Reconnection. Awesome. I just want to ask, like, after you went through that, what did you think? Because I just like it seems so similar. Um, what would it have looked like for you to have caught the shame when he said it at the table? Like, did you think back to, because that's what oh, I'm going yeah. back to. Yes. Like, what would, because I was like, why didn't I catch that? Because I caught it. A, a behavior after, and I did went back and apologized. But what would it, or what is the, how do we get the trigger? I guess when we get that's triggered, what how this, do we get to that place before we? Yeah, right. After. To me, that's what this process empowers yeah. me to do. Yeah. Now that I've so been through this process, be and that's what I'm seeing in other places in my life. Yeah. Now, I think it's the shame. It's really hard sometimes for me to get in touch with the shame because mm-hmm. it's kind of subtle sometimes. Right, and name it. If I can identify it, I'm feeling shame. Right, and I think that that's why this was important for me and for God to really expose it and show me how it all went down 
and the process of it because now I know how shame, I'm learning more and more how shame feels. Because yeah, yeah, I felt it when it came up at the table. I felt that thing come up like you've been exposed. And it just keeps lying and lying and lying and then it takes us into that loop. And I gotta, and I gotta, my response to shame has always been, I gotta protect. Yeah. I gotta protect. Nobody's gonna see that shame. Yeah. Nobody is seeing my underwear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like we, it, we go into self-protective mode. Did you have a question? No, I just think, like, I think what happened is when you felt shame, you disconnected from God. That's right. And, like, Psalm 34 says, like, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. So you didn't really re get out of shame until that next morning when you reconnected with God. And so I think it's going, I feel shame right now. Where are you, God? Yeah. And if you yeah. found God, like, in that moment, then shame's power is like disabled right you know and it was right as soon as you reconnected and specifically even even beyond where are you god what do you say god what do you say what do you like that's where that's where it's been for me you like find his is face. finding his voice and saying okay i'm i'm feeling shame what do you say yeah that's amazing so like go back on what you both were saying so it's like after you went back to god then he said no you are this you are this yes. you are this right then in that moment when shame comes up you remember what he says about you, and you say, "No, I am this. I am this. I am this," and then it kind of will dissipate. And I'm reminded of yeah. of who he has said I am, yeah. and and my identity, focusing on my identity rather than my behavior. And you see the way you look like him. Like yes. when you find his face, no, this is who Emory is. This yes. is why, like you look yes. like. Yeah, it's like a mirror, and it yeah. totally reset. <coughs> I think that's what it's like. Shame. The biggest thing is it. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. It disconnected yeah. from exactly. God. Exactly. They started to hide when really there was freedom available for them in that moment. There was total provision for them in that right. moment, but they, but that's and that's what we do. Yeah. When we feel shame, we try to self-protect, cover up, right. grab the fig leaves. Yeah. We become our own god. Yeah, exactly. We try to be our own god. We want to control. We want to fix. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve yeah. did. Yeah. And that's and so instead, good. being able to say. I'm feeling shame. Jesus, what do you say? And I bet there was a time where it took you two weeks to get to that point. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Like, where you've really improved, and you're getting that, you're getting the next morning you're there, and before you, you know, at some well, point. Well, not only take two weeks, but make a big, fat mess in the process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really, make a big, fat mess in the process. And spiral down. Spiral down. Gra and I'm taking Jeff down with me. So this, morning, <laughs> this time was pretty good, you know? Right? Yeah. I mean. And, that, and so now it, 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 it's really good yeah. when you begin, and I think yeah. opening up this space, and so now it's, a, it's becoming more of a rhythm that I live in with, with, with God, you know, um, and having language attached to it and understanding, and too, we all need to understand ourselves. He will give you your process and your language with him and how you move with him, yes. right? Okay, somebody else, had, you had your hand up here. Thank you. 
I'm so used to being my own God in those moments. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that, yeah. I'm my own answer. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it feels so bad. Mm -hmm. And it, if I could just turn to God then. And it has gotten faster. Mm -hmm. so like one day is pretty fast. The next morning, right. Right. It's, got, it's gotten hours. a lot. It's gotten a lot faster. So you can actually celebrate how quickly, how well you did. There you go. And um, I am. Well and and but you, can I tell you this? The thing that I'm celebrating the most is how good God is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like he's so good. He's never left me. Yeah. I, and that's what I mean about connection. I am the one who disconnects to protect my own, yeah. to protect yeah. myself. Yeah to be my own God and fix the situation, exactly what Adam and Eve did. And he's going, who told you you were naked? Who even told you that? You know? And so, I think you're right. I, I am celebrating that, and I'm celebrating God. And that's what this whole process is for me, is what I find myself doing, is I'm, I'm more in surrender. I'm in more delight. I'm in more awe. I'm in more joy and connectedness. And and I'm not. I don't see him as other than. Yeah. And far away, he's so near to me, and he's so good. That language of condemnation for the longest time, I thought it was God, for years. And that's why I understand condemnation is because for years I actually thought that was God's voice. Yeah. I thought I was being disciplined. Mm -hmm. The voice of shame and condemnation. I thought that was God's voice. And I thought God was saying to me, mm, you should not have done that. That was so bad. That was selfish and ugly and mean. So do you say that's coming from the enemy or do you mm -hmm. say it's coming from shame? Or well, is it the same? It's, ultimately, it has, ultimately it has its roots in the voice of the enemy right. who, who does not... I was going to explain what I mean. Um, that's what he wants us to believe. That's, that's, what they, that's what the enemy did in the garden. And he caused us to question God. But then what happens is we operate in it so much, it's our own brain. It's our own brain. It's our own loop. It's, our, it's right out of our own little bank. The enemy doesn't need to do a thing because I become so entrenched in it that, that I'm just doing my own job over here. And so that's what's so wonderful about watching the Lord dismantle those things all within because here's the thing you could think and there are books that say you can dismantle it all on your own you can go through this process and you can look at your thoughts and you can retrain your thinking and you can do all these things but you cannot no. <laughs> I, I cannot I cannot do this apart from Jesus because the other is works yeah. It's works yeah. and it will be exhausting and yeah. it will be a dead end because it is not full of life. It is not full of the person of beautiful Jesus. Come on. It would never be as beautiful as what God told me. No, it will be it will be a counterfeit. It will be a possibly, possibly livable counterfeit. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want that. I want fullness of life. And that's what he's given me. I want to love like him. I want to be love in the earth. And if I'm going to be love in the earth, then I want him to come in and show me and walk with me through all the places and recalibrate me to his heart, recalibrate my mind and my emotions and the wholeness of my personhood with him that love would just flow. So good. That self-protection wouldn't stop it, that shame wouldn't stop it, that all these messages in my little brain bank over here, 
they're they're changing. It's like yeah. like I said, he's rewiring as he's recalibrating. He's doing it. We're partnering with him to do that. That's what this whole process is all about. And it's all toward the end of love and heaven being released in the earth. This is not just for me. This is not just, he, he loves me and he wants me to live in wholeness, but it's for a purpose in the earth. Yeah. It is for a purpose in the earth that all of us together would be connected to one another, that we would love each other as the father and the son loved one another and that heaven would actually be flowing in the earth. Y'all, what would that look like really? What would it look like if we actually did that? If we actually did it, we actually genuinely didn't just pretend to love each other and say that we loved each other, but actually flowed in love with one another. I, I am so excited to see it. And I'm excited to be on that journey for all of us. I don't think we can fully do that until we do love ourselves. Oh, well, yeah, and I think that's why he tells us that in the very beginning. Like, yeah. here's, the, here's the commandments. Yeah, here's the command. Love yourself. Love, love God and love your neighbor as, as you, you love, love yourself. yourself. And that's, to me, I can only love myself through the lens of my father. Mm-hmm. No. Ever. Do you know how many things I have like this? <laughs> and you'll never forget them. I have so many things like this where I've written down what he's said and what he's what he's told me, and I haven't forgotten him. I, I've forgotten some of the prophetic words over my life that other people have told me, yeah. but none of the ones yeah. he has. <laughs> I have I have not forgotten one of the ones that he has spoken to me. Yeah. So his voice is life. Yeah. His love his voice is an imprint on my soul, on my mind, on my emotions. And it's, it's invaluable. He, he is, he's the source of all life and healing and wholeness. And that's what I love is that where, that's where I'm finding healing is in fellowship with him, in fellowship with him. So let's all surrender. Let's surrender. Let's give up the self-protection. And you know what? It happens little by little. It happens by saying, Lord, I really do. I want to trust you. I want to surrender this. But it's really happening little by little by little. Each place of surrender. Each place of letting go of self-protection. Each place of every little moment that I've held up an emotion and said, okay, what's that? It just is right now. What's going on? That's a very good question. One of the ways that I've heard, one of the best ways that I've heard boundaries described is that the purpose of boundaries is to actually maintain connection mm-hmm. and to, to nurture connection. Because if, if someone, let's say it's, it's an abusive situation, emotionally, abuse, emotionally abusive, even if it's taking advantage of or whatever, in order for me to maintain my connection with you, I, I need to put healthy boundaries and ways, ways, and really what boundaries are, 
are choosing ways that are healthy to operate with one another. Yeah. Right? Looks like a child. I mean, you have to give them boundaries so that they can. Yeah, here are the parameters. Here are the, here are the parameters by which we, by you and I, and sometimes those have to change, sometimes those have to change depending upon where I am or where you are or, or how we're operating together. And to me, that's why, uh, at least for me, when I'm, when I'm pondering and working through boundaries with the Lord, for me, boundaries are about love. Boundaries are love. Love for you and love for me. Versus me protecting myself from you. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there are good and bad connotations of self-protection? Because it's like you can protect yourself in a way that keeps you from love. Mm-hmm. You can also protect yourself in a way that keeps you in love and yeah. in your relationship with Jesus. Like you're protecting yourself in that relationship. Yes. And I think the language I would use um, is nurturing. Yeah. Like care. Like care and nurturing. Like I'm going to nurture myself. I'm going to nurture my relationship with Jesus and I'm gonna, I will protect that. You know? So I guess, I, I guess that's the difference. And I think language can be the same, but my intention and what I mean by the language. One being my own God and I've got to protect myself. The other being, no, I'm acknowledged, I'm surrendered, and I'm going to protect this relationship and, and nurture this relationship and nurture and nurture myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good, that's a good thing because you're right. We do need to, we do, it is important that we love ourselves well we too. We protect our bodies. I mean. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 In a in a healthy way. Yeah. And the way that we do that is inside, isn't it? It's like the way I protect my mind, the way I protect my body is through is through my relationship with the Lord and His insight and His what He knows that we need in those moments and what is true and what is you know all of that kind of stuff. I think. So. Um. Thank you guys for, I want to pray for you, Um, but thank you for hearing my journey and a little bit about about where I'm going on. But I I do want to pray for you before we we end, okay? Um, mm, Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for this beautiful place that you have us in. Lord, I'm so thankful for the depths of revelation that you are releasing in this place with me, the place I've described. Jesus, I feel like I'm knowing you better than I've ever known you in my whole life. I'm trusting you more, appreciating you more, knowing your goodness more than I ever have in my whole life. I'm learning more than I ever have in my whole life what it means for you to be my best friend. The lover of my soul, my God, my King, for you to be all of those things. And I am so thankful. You are so patient. And you're so kind. And you're so good. And so, Lord, I I pray for each one of these women and and anyone who might be listening. God, that, that you would take them on their own journey with you of what this process looks like of cultivating love and cultivating connection with you 
and with others. I just love Jesus that you know us each so intimately. You know every single person deeply and intimately. You know the access places. You know where to begin. You know where to meet them. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would do that. Ask you, Holy Spirit, that even now, you would, that they would be very, they would be aware and cognizant and know the reality and the experience of you coming in and recalibrating and bringing them back into you and, and who you have designed them to be, who you say they are and their identity <coughs> and love completely. with you and with others. And so I bless them. I bless them with grace. I bless us all with grace to be able to yield, to have awareness, to be able to yield and and fall into you in this and trust you, God. We bless you, Jesus, and I bless each one for these powerful moments.